I want us to understand that our mission, today we're highlighting our call to go, our call to, to be and to share and to fish. We have a call to care for one another, to love, to grow, because it's from our love for one another, as we just read in Ephesians chapter 4, that also is what provokes us and propels our mission, propels our ministry. So we, we do both. It's and, and both. Today, we're going to focus mostly on the aspect of actually sharing our faith, coming from that place of worship this morning, coming from that place of knowing who we are, that this is what God's called us to. So let's put that first slide up, Brandon. So just, just a couple things in dispelling uh, some, some myths about evangelism. Again, the word evangelism in Greek, it means to witness. You're just a witness to. You testify to. And so just a couple points here. Uh, evangelism, it's a lifestyle. It is not an event. Now, that doesn't mean we don't put events and things together, but the attitude of our heart doesn't see it as, this is for some folks, we're just going to do a good deed and have an event. That's not the heart. You guys are going to have an event at the end of the month, but in your heart, your opportunity is that you're going to be with people. You're going to get to share your heart in that context. But it doesn't stop there. That's just a helpful tool to bring us together to help equip us. But this is a lifestyle that goes on day by day, how we communicate with our neighbors, our friends. We've mentioned it before. It is a sharing, as we just said, of your life and not merely an activity or simply a duty. It's, it's more than just saying, okay, it's just, I, I need to be doing this. This is the right thing to do. Um, I mean, that, that's good um, that we have that thought or conviction, but out of the abundance of our heart, out of the overflow of our heart, we want to be sharing our life, not just what we know, what we have, what God's given us in terms of our heart, our possessions, our faith, sharing our life. Oftentimes, one of the myths is it's, it's not for, you know, it's for special people. Um, and there is an aspect of an evangelist call to equip, but we all are witnesses to what has happened to us, who has transformed our life. That's what we share. So it is for everyone born again. Everyone whose spirit, the spirit of the Holy Spirit, Jesus lives in as well that we are to share our faith. It is overflow. It's the overflow from the abundance of that reality from his life, and it's not just outreach. Sometimes we put terms on things. Yes, we're reaching out. That, that kind of helps us to understand that we're going outside of ourselves, so that's effective. It's an effective thought, but I don't want us to just see it as outreach as a Christian cultural event. This is... This is sharing your life from an overflow. And ultimately, it's about Jesus. And it's not about me, ultimately. It's rather, it's sharing Jesus, the life of Messiah, of Jesus in me to the world. I think those distinctions are important because sometimes, just like in the video, we, we see it's kind, of, it's kind of over here. I don't see that really my life's call from the time I wake up in the morning, is to share the love of God in the household of God, 
here in this community, in this congregation with my brothers and sisters, strengthening, edifying them, putting the shield of faith over them when they're down, helping them, covering them till they can stand again. It's like an infirmary in a battle. We're in a battle. And this house sometimes is like an infirmary. You get, you get knocked down, you get beat up in the battle, and we help each other out. We're also called to be in the battle. It's so that we can get up again and put on the full armor and go back into our mission. So, just a question I'm just going to throw it out there and you can answer. Why should we share our faith? Seems like a simple question, but anybody, why should we? Okay. It's a command. So other people can experience what I've experienced. That's, that's well said. Others, anybody else? To, glory to, God. to bring glory to God. Wow. Very good, Luke. Any others? To join him in his mission with him. Wow. Yes. Yes. And I'm not, there's no right answer here. I just want us to be thinking, you know, together. You know, why, why should we? Why should this be on our mind? Why, 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 should, this, why should we take time on a Sunday morning to, to discuss? You know, um, and I'm sure many of you, this is not assuming that, that none of you live this way or that none of you share your faith. Don't hear that this morning. But I think for some of us, our cultural mindset and attitude might be skewed a little bit in terms of seeing God's perspective that you have been redeemed to share, to love, to give. That's what we talked about last Sunday. The word to love, love means to give. For God so loved, he gave his son. So let me ask a follow-up question then. And um, is this mic on? Is this mic work? Is anyone uh, can look up a scripture and read it for us? Anyone want to raise their hand? Just kind of read. You want to hear that, Stephen? How about this, Stephen? How about this? Your guest. How about someone from the community here? Anyone? Just it's just a couple. Jacob. It's going to be Ephesians five. Thank you, the brother. Hello. Ephesians five thirteen to sixteen. So the question is this: While Jacob looks it up, why don't we, oftentimes, share our faith, or why is it so hard, sometimes, and difficult? Five thirteen through 16? Yes, sir. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Look carefully, then, how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Amen. And are they not? So, why don't we? Let's just talk a little bit here about some of the things. And, and listen, um, hopefully I asked a question as I just did the former question. You guys come back with some answers. So I've got some ideas up here on a slide. If there's others at the end, let me know. But if you're like me, the thought of engaging someone, a stranger, and I don't know if you remember the quote last week. I quoted John Piper. Do you guys remember that? 
John Piper had basically said, if we're waiting for this fuzzy feeling and love to generate from us, we're, we're a mess. That's not the goal. God loves everyone. God loves these people and God loves me. And the whole point and motivation of our hearts is our love for God, not necessarily our, our overwhelming goodness and compassion for others. That comes from outside of us. That comes from who lives in us. Does that make sense? Jesus lives in us. And so these are some of the things that I've learned um, why it can be difficult at times. The first is Satan's greatest tactic. You know, every adversary in the battle we were talking about has, has tools, has weapons. You know, use them in the, in the military across the armed forces. There's a slew of weapons on land and sea and everything else. One of the greatest weapons that the enemy and tactics that he uses in all of our lives is fear. Simple fear. Fear of man, fear of failure, fear of rejection, fear that I'm not good enough, I don't have anything to say, and he said, fear. He just, you're going to go do what? You're going to go share Jesus as Lord? I don't think so. Look at yourself. Would it, look at yourself. You, you've yelled at your wife this morning. You did this, you did that, you did this. You are not equipped. You are not able to go and share. Who are you? Fear, condemnation. They go hand in hand. I'm not equipped. I just honestly, I don't know how to practically engage someone. Well, that's why the gifts were given. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, teachers, and pastors to equip, to encourage you. You can do this. This is who you are. I don't have time. My life is so busy. I, I have this practice and that practice, and I've got this long schedule, and then I've got work, and then I've got um, kids' sports, and then I've got, uh, well, I have to watch my favorite show, and um, it comes on, well, it comes on, well, the, that, the three shows that come on throughout the week. Um, and I've got all these priorities, and the question isn't whether or not we can engage in those things. The question is, is our time, which is a gift from God, is it submitted to him? So it is a lie. It's a myth. And the reason why we shared that scripture, Jacob, is because it says whatever's in the light, right, is now before us. We can't unsee it, right? We, we, we recognize, yep, yeah, that's me. And this isn't for condemnation. This is just saying, let's evaluate our life in terms of the priorities of heaven. Let's evaluate our lives in terms of who we are. So I don't have time, but we do make time for what we want to do. And that's the truth. That's a true statement. So to say we have no time would be a lie. It's not my call. It's someone else. I'm not the evangelist. Well, we just dispelled that because we are all witnesses to the fact that we have been born again for those of us that have experienced salvation. It's not for someone else. It's my privilege. It's not a, it's not a weighty, oh boy, here we go again. I got to i got to say something. This isn't a burden. Our burden's been lifted. We sang about it today. This burden that says your sin is not counted against you both now and forever. <laughs> you have been set free. You have victory both now and forever because of what he has done. You're his son and daughter. He's lavished his love upon you. I love the word of God. It's not just I love you. 
He demonstrates it, and then he says, I'm lavishing all of heaven, all blessings upon you. Everything that's in Jesus' account is to yours. And if you're like me, sometimes I forget the, the blessing of the love of God, and, and I, I'm just a little indifferent. I'm tired and busy, everything else. It's like, people do what they want to do. I'm indifferent. You know, when the Jewish people and during Hitler's reign and rule, um, there was a liberator, Elie Wiesel, which you may know, and he had a quote, and I'm not quoting this as, as a scripture in any means, but his insight is that many of you say the opposite of love is hate, but I beg to argue that the opposite of love is indifference, because we can just look at something and pass an eye and walk by, kind of like the Good Samaritan. That is a lie. God didn't call us to be indifferent. He did say in the end times in Matthew 24 that the love of many would grow cold. It would wax cold. It would be like a cold, icy wind coming across our hearts. I just really don't care if I'm honest. It's not my call. The other, maybe, reason why we find it hard or difficult because of hypocrisy. How, how can I share something when I don't even know if I'm saved or clean enough? Again, that's a self-focus. What did our pastor this morning remind us? The whole purpose from Hebrews was to fix our eyes on Jesus. If we take inventory of ourselves, it's not going to be too long before a whole wealth and flood of discouragement is going to happen. See, the beauty of the gospel is that we get to take inventory of him. He cannot fail. His love is so deep and so strong and final. And so when we recognize that his inventory has been assigned to our account, guess what? We can share the same way. So don't let condemnation and, and the, the accusation of hypocrite, that's one of those fear tactics that the enemy uses to keep you from being the light that you are. And Jesus already knows who are his. He already knows. What's the point? But do you know? No. The other one that goes along with that is, well, we know things are going to be bad in the end times. Everybody's going to fall apart. It's going to be crazy and judgment's coming. And so what's the point? Because it's who you are. Why don't we? Why don't we? Or why should we? We should because it's who you are. Born again. Filled with the power of the Spirit. Sons and daughters of the King. Members of the household of God and the kingdom of God that has come. Already, but not yet fully realized not fully yet consummated that day is going to come he's going to come back for his bride and he's going to reign and will reign with him but right now the kingdom of god is at hand and he lives in you the kingdom is in you the rule and power and authority of god has been given that was the great commission all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me now go so I just want us to be thinking, remembering these things, because when we think about talking and engaging another human being, 
We're not offering them ourself and our great eloquence. We're not offering them, we don't have to be theologians. We don't have to be intellectual giants. That's not going to necessarily transform their heart and life. An encounter with Jesus surely will. And they can have that encounter when you are real and sharing your life because it's the power of him in you. Greater is he who is in you than he that is in the world. And so we come from that place. I want us to turn to Luke 10 because here we see where Jesus actually sent out. And, and I want us to understand that is exactly what he's doing. He is sending us out. And by the way, my, uh, my little app here is just trying to catch up with me, so bear with me. <laughs> do this and we're going to read oh, well, okay I'm just going to grab a, grab a Bible here because my uh, Luke 10 will not open my, I have to restart my phone and that's okay thank you my friend so we're going to read from Luke 10 and one of the words that we heard this morning and, and it's just funny how the Holy Spirit works but one of the words we heard this morning was follow. You guys remember that? Follow. Follow me. Follow me. Right before Jesus, before this chapter begins, he was speaking to his disciples as they were going along the road. And one of them said, I'll follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no way to lay his head. To another he said, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord. But first, let me say farewell to those at my home. Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hands to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Let's go. Follow me. Follow me. Do you hear that gentle whisper? This isn't, follow me, get it together. That's not our Lord. As, as, as Pastor said this morning, it's that gentle reminder, follow me. Follow, you know me. You're my sheep, you know my voice. Follow me. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. I'm not, I'm not gonna just send you out there without the power that you need. Let's read Luke 10 together because Jesus sends out and appoints and then he sends, and he says here in chapter 10, after this, the Lord appointed 70 others and sent them on ahead of him, two by two, into every town and place where he himself was about to go. I'm gonna pause. He's not sending us out without his support help. He's our rear guard. What does this say here? He's sending them out into every town and place that he himself was about to go. We're not alone. This is, you'll never share your faith alone. So you don't have to fear. And he told, he said this to them, the harvest is plentiful. You heard this also on the video. But the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly. Pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest 
to send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way. Behold, I am sending you. I'm sending you out as laborers into the harvest, as lambs in the midst of wolves. Carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say, peace, shalom to this house. And if a son of peace, if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. But if not, it will return to you. And remain in the same house, eating and drinking what they provide, for the laborer deserves his wages. Do not go from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and they receive you, eat what is set before you. Heal the sick in it. Say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But whenever you enter a town and they do not receive you, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your own town that clings to your feet, we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near. Tell them anyway, and I'll tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. And I want us to skip down real quick just to verse 17. The 70 returned. Some translations have 72. I won't get into theological reasons for that. Um, some of you may have asked that question. Maybe you're like, what? I didn't know that. Yes. There are certain versions that say 70, some say 72, and it's simply, I'll make it real quick because some of you might be curious, it's simply because of the, the Old Testament and New, the, the Hebrew and the Greek, and we won't, uh, we won't get into that. I will say this, they represent the nations of the earth, okay? They represent the number of the nations of the earth. So what Jesus is saying is that my kingdom, my glory covers the entire earth. So... That's the point I want you to take away with, that he's calling them to go, these, these each representing the nations of the earth, these representing every tribe, every tongue. That's the fulfillment of the kingdom of God, that they would all know that he, and he is Lord. So the 70 return with joy. Yeah, they came with their heads back. They bummed out. They didn't get the job done. They failed their mission, and they were pitiful, and... They had to face the Lord. No, 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 no. It didn't say five of them were happy when they got back and full of joy. It didn't say 50 of them. No, it says all of them, every last one of them, came back with joy. They're excited. Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. <laughs> and he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the powers of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, don't rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. You are those that are alive. Rejoice in the fact that you're mine. They, they all came back with joy. Every last one of them. Thank you. And I wanted to transition from here because I'm going to give you a couple quick takeaways on our experience and why I'm reading from Luke chapter 10. It's not what we know. As I mentioned earlier, we're not intellectual giants, theologians. We're not uh, steeped in, in, in our understanding of apologetics. Oh, please do that. Please learn, grow, fill your mind, love the Lord with your mind. But I can promise you, you don't have to know all of all kinds of things and, 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 and go toe-to-toe -to -toe arguing with people. What did he say? You go into and 
find the son of peace. You're going to get toe-to-toe with someone, and they're just, many times, their heart, and you don't even know this. I remember I worked for UPS, and I'd be on the sort aisle, sorting packages all morning, and I would share my faith. And one morning, this gentleman came up to me, and he was challenging, he's asking these questions and everything else, and the Holy Spirit said, do not speak another word. He's not a man of peace. He wants to mock my name. And I said, you know what? And I mentioned him by name, and I said, I can't talk to you anymore. He goes, why not? You know, you, you, can't, you can't defend your faith. I said, I can, but you want to mock God, not worship him. I can't talk to you anymore. And I shook, I shook the dust off my feet, and I went back to the sword aisle where I was, and I finished sorting. That had an impact on him. It came back later. But we have to be listening to the Lord. We have to recognize this isn't about winning someone's a, a battle. This is about demonstrating, revealing the life of the Lord to folks. It's not what we know, but who we know. It's not primarily what we do, it's who we are. Is this making sense? It's not appeal to the intellect alone, but to the heart, and only God can change a heart. Love is your greatest apologetic. Love as you demonstrate it through your life and love as this community demonstrates it to the community. Your unity and oneness in this community is the greatest apologetic that this community can ever put forth in this community. Does that make sense? Because the Bible says that in our unity and our oneness that the world will know that the Father sent a son. So we can win arguments and we need to be able to have a courtroom defense of our faith. We need to be able to articulate and we need to grow in those areas, understand what we believe. But the gospel is the power of God into salvation. Just letting people know that I was a sinner and I've been redeemed and saved by the blood of Jesus, that the Savior, the the Son of the living God came and died on a cruel cross He took my punishment both now and forever. He has opened a way to a relationship with the living God. He's restored me into fellowship both now and forever. I know whose I belong to, and I know in whom I trust and I believe, and I am persuaded. That's what you share. That's that message, that message that you know. That's what you share. It's the power of God to salvation. Whether or not you can articulate everything isn't the point to be, um, you may not feel like I'm as smart as the next guy. That's okay. Can you love more than someone else? Out love each other. Outdo each other with love. Outdo each other with, with, with mercy to one another and to others that don't know him. Outdo each other. Gospel is powerful. He's just looking for us to say, here I am. Send me. Just like he sent the 70. Send me. He, by his spirit, will lead us to those who are ready to receive. The passage in Luke tells us there are sons of peace. They're all around you. You are the redeemed of the Lord, but there are those who are right there, ready in the harvest. They're ripe. They're ready. The field is ripe. they're, They're like fish jumping on the boat. Somebody tell me. Somebody tell me. I'm lost. I don't know, but I know something's wrong. Will somebody please tell me? That's our privilege. That's why we're born again. That's why we have what we have. Not to feel good about ourselves first and alone and just leave it there. What advantage is that to be given everything that we've been given that we didn't earn? 
to just take it and squander it. That's not the heart of the Father, yet it's our temptation at times because of the flesh. But of the Spirit who lives in you. It says, give, give, and you can't outgive God. You can't outgive His love. It keeps going and going and going. It has for centuries. And it will always be the, the motivation for salvation for everyone. I want to quickly just ask, um, ask my wife, I want to share a few testimonies about just stories that we have um, that I hope will motivate you because the Bible does say, and before you do that, I want us to, um, no, I'll come back to that. Um, Nicole, why don't you come up? I want to just share some testimonies because the Bible says that our testimony, how he saved us, and the blood of the lamb, I'm just paraphrasing from Revelation, has power over the darkness, over lives. So we need to know again who we are. And I want Nicole to share Testimony, whatever you the the you had, a, yeah. Good morning, beloved. Put her on the spot, but she's always ready. <laughs> Be ready, right? In season, out of season. Amazing stories about sharing our faith. Um, I'll share the most recent. Um, a few years ago, we would go into the city of Frederick, and we'd stop in this one store, and we met these two gentlemen, a friend of mine and I, and we just got to know them, introduced ourselves, shared a little bit about our life, asked them about their lives. And uh, there was one gentleman out of the two that seemed open. The other one, he would make fun of us, kind of tell jokes about Jesus that weren't funny. And uh, so we just kind of glossed over, but we focused on this one other guy. Well, just recently we were in the park and I hadn't seen him for a while and I saw the guy that was kind of making jokes about Jesus. He had this cane that had a skull on it so it was real distinct when I saw him across the park. I couldn't run over there so I said, Gabe, go get him. And I was like, what is his name? Because we've met hundreds of people. And the Holy Spirit said, Irv. Oops. Just in case you know him. Sorry. Anyway, so... It's all good. So um, Gabe went over and he said, do you remember us? Do you remember my wife? Do you remember meeting me? And he said, yes, I actually do. And he said, I have been saved. I have been baptized and I go to, and he said the congregation that he went to. And the, the, the interesting thing about it was I was discouraged Right before I saw him, I was sitting in the park and all these people were sharing their faith, but currently I'm taking care of my mother who's in late stage Alzheimer's. So I've been spending a lot of time at home with her. And I was just mulling over all the people that we talked to. Some I got to see come to know the Lord, but many I didn't. And I was discouraged and I thought, what's it all about, that last one? What's it all for? You know, who's really coming to the Lord these days? So when I saw Irv give his heart to the Lord, the Lord reminded me that that scripture in 1 Corinthians that talks about when Paul said that he planted seed and then Apollos came and watered, but it was the Lord that made the growth. You know, it's about God. And he's at work in places that we can't even imagine and at work in people's lives when we don't even realize it. We just need to open our mouths and let what's in there come out. So I hope that encourages you this morning. Amen. Yeah, thank you, Nicole. I don't need this. I'm on, right? So have it. I'm on, but somehow, 
Wow. I thought it was clipped, my friends. Can you still hear me? Okay. So one of the things that um, I thought was, was interesting, too, is that uh, this gentleman is actually uh, Jewish. Uh, the Lord led us. I mean, we are part of El Shaddai, so part of our prayer is to see Jewish people make a profession of faith in Jesus. Uh, it's our heart all the time. But it's interesting that he was a Jewish man and came to faith in the Lord. He goes to a local uh, non-denominational congregation here in Frederick. So I just thought that that was uh, amazing. I wanted to share just a couple more because I want, many of you have your own testimonies. You have your own stories of times where you just step out and, and God meets you. And this is a work of the Spirit. I think we need to realize that, again, God calls. Jesus says, no one comes to the Father except through me, through Jesus. No one comes. So we're looking for those, according to the scripture, those men and women of peace. We don't go toe-to-toe and, and try to force people over the head with the gospel. We demonstrate it in how we live our lives and build relationships. No, he says, when you find a son of peace, basically dwell with them. Do you have a barber? Go to the same one. you have a, a nail artist? Go to the same one. Build a relationship. Be intentional. Go, go, go to the same people. If you sense that God, they're a person of peace, they're listening and you have their ear, invite them into your life. Share your life. Talk to them. Invite them over for dinner. You're building something. If they're not a man of peace, pray for them. Tell them the kingdom of God is near, but pray for them. You never know that the seed has been planted. You never know when that watering and growth is going to happen or if it will. But you be faithful. I wanted to share a couple uh, other stories. I work for a printing company. I actually own a printing company. And uh, during COVID, I've been alone. Uh, my wife and I pretty much, I had to lay off my staff early on. We're trying to bring people back and you know how things go. Printing in itself is not a robust industry anymore. So um, it's taken a little longer to put the pieces back together. Um, but I remember one day I was sitting um, alone and the paper guy who delivers our paper came in and, and the Lord just had me see him. And that's the other thing I think Nicole had shared a scripture um, that the apostles looked intently. No, look in the book of Acts when they're, when they're witnessing, when they're sharing. You'll see that, that phrase often. It's kind of amazing. Sometimes you'll see things. He says that Paul looked intently. They looked intently at someone. In other words, God sees and enabled them to see. To see. We ask, God, show me who those people are. Look at them intently. Listen. Be listeners. Slow to speak. Be listeners first and ask the Lord about him. And so I saw this guy, his name uh, was Tyrone, and he had come in, and I, I, I can't remember how the conversation got started. How you doing? You know, my new paper rep and everything else. And I just said, real simple to him, I said, are you okay? Um, it's been a hard road. Can I pray for you? And let me tell you, that is the most simple introduction and way that you can have an open door. Just ask someone, can I pray for you? What are they going to say? No, no, thank you. You'd be surprised how desperate people really are. If they have a clue that someone actually would care about something other than themselves, you'd be surprised the open door that's already there. Can I pray for you? He said, certainly. And I just began, I prayed for him and I began to first just share the love of Jesus. And he said, I, I, I'm a believer. And he goes, but I'm, I'm going through such a difficult time. And I remember just praying. And then the Holy Spirit, all of a sudden, 
We're praying the glory of Jesus and praying for his strength. Both of us at the same time fell to the ground in the middle of my print shop to our knees with the presence of God. And we both began to just sense the overwhelming presence of God as we prayed together. And he got up and he said, I'm about to go to my next route. I've been praying for someone there. I said, well, now you're equipped and filled. Go. And it's just, it's just little things. It's a simple story. But if our heart is expectant that we are born again, that this is who we are, then we're looking for those opportunities wherever we are. And I, I, I have a, a, another customer who's a youth pastor. He's a youth minister in the Catholic Diocese of Arlington. And he came in. We began to study, and, or not study, but begin to speak during uh, Passover, during Easter time. And I said, are you, are you aware that Jesus died on Passover and that he was buried on the Feast of Unleavened Bread and that he rose from the dead on the Feast of First Fruits? Do you realize he fulfilled every one of God's appointed times to reveal salvation? He goes, what? And I said, yeah. And he said, tell me more. And so even in that, now we've become a friend. He's, he's been on our list um, for our teachings on those, on those matters we call feast teachings uh, here at El Shaddai. Just seeing the gospel and the plan of God to save um, from the very beginning, of t- from the very beginning, as he says, he declares the end from the beginning. You know, it's, um, there was a, another lady just recently walked into the shop, and I, it just seemed like every day or every other day a customer had a need, and, and I had to ask the Lord, are, are they a person of peace? Do, do they need to hear anything? And he would say, just, just speak to them, ask if you can pray for them. And the lady said, yeah. I began to, to pray for her. By the time we were done just having fellowship, she's been behind a mask and in her home. She goes, I am so hungry for fellowship. Thank you for reminding me. So it's not always just for the lost. Sometimes our love and, and, our, and, our, and our desire to share who lives in us will even edify the body and build it up as we read earlier in, in Ephesians 4. So she left with tears in her eyes, encouraged. Uh, or it can be something like this, where you're just walking with the Lord. And I remember I was at work, and this was before. And literally, I'm walking by an area going to make a flyer for a Bible study. And I literally felt like the hand of God stopped me. I've never experienced this before. But, and I just stood there, and I'm like, and he says, look down. That, I, I felt, had this sense. I looked down, and there's a man sitting on a computer with his head down like this. I believe I heard the Lord speak to my heart, tell him that I love him. I have not forgotten him. I died for him. And I'm thinking, okay, because in my mind, I, I got to get this flyer done and go to lunch. <laughs> so I said, I put my hand on his shoulder and he looks around, his eyes were just glazed and he just looked at me like this, what? And I'm like, um, I was walking by and i believe the Lord God wanted me to tell you that he loves you. He's not forgotten you. He died for you. This guy starts bawling right there in the middle of the shop. Tons of people around, bawling. And, and he had to compose himself, and he finally says to me, he goes, I was just logging off this computer to go commit suicide. Thank you for obeying God. I asked him, does anyone care? Do you care? Show me. This is who we are. I'm not special. But I'll tell you what. When I say I'm not special, I mean any more special than anybody here. 
we are all extremely special. Not because of anything that we have done. Not because of our aptitudes and our skills and abilities. Not because of our learning or our moral superiority. We're special because of the one who lives in us. The precious Lamb of God. The sacrifice for sin. The one who laid down his life. Greater love has no man than this. Than a man lay his life down for his friend. And I want us to know that every one of you are special. And how eager the Lord is to use you and give you stories of testimony. It really is an encouragement to us. So I want to uh, put that last slide up. And I want us to understand that like a muscle, faith is like a muscle. Okay? The more you use it, the stronger it grows. I can promise you the first times of stepping out of this building onto the streets of Frederick, after, after a minimum of an hour of prayer with those that were going out, asking for the Lord's protection, asking for his presence, asking us to fill us, to give us eyes to see through his eyes, and we walked out there on the streets. Every single person that ever returned back here at the end of those times came back with joy. They had a story to share and tell. Because why? Because the fields are white for harvest. And the Lord says, pray earnestly. Send those laborers into the harvest. Pray for laborers. And so that's us. That's you. We, we are those that are called. As we said last week, Jacob, there's no plan B. You're like, wow, okay, a motley bunch. Yeah, Absolutely. Strong in the Lord, powerful in his might, full of the Spirit of God, armed as Ephesians 6, and I told you this earlier, tells us to put on the, the full armor of God that we may be able to stand, but we stand together. So I want to, to just look at some application here. These are very general, but I think they're important for us. We need to have a heart and attitude to pray against those justifications, those fears, those excuses, those myths about sharing our life and our faith. We need to pray against those justifications and we need to pray for divine encounters. Who are those people you've called me to in my life? In fact, I'm gonna take one minute just to be quiet. I'm just gonna pray over you real quick. I want you to be thinking about who in your life, right now, it could be a family member, a neighbor, a friend, who has God been calling you to encounter, to share, to speak, to pray for? Just open the door to begin a relationship that you are trusting God to be transformative. So let's just close our eyes, take a moment, let's ask him. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Like John the Baptist said, Lord, may I decrease, may you increase. Lord, I pray for everyone here, myself included, Lord, that you begin to call out and reveal names of those that you love, that you have prepared to hear the gospel message through us, that you've called us not to just share what we know, but to engage our lives, intersect our lives with theirs. 
to not just see a grocer at the grocery store that we see weekly, but to ask them their name, how you can pray for them, how we can be a light, how we can bring hope and help, and how maybe they can come over to the house for dinner because they live in our community. We thank you, Lord. We're asking you for courage. We're asking you for divine encounters. Jesus' name. So, as we, second point there is we've kind of touched base on, it's just relationships. We all have them. We shouldn't assume anything. We should just assume everyone needs to hear the good news, whether they know it or not. I need to be reminded, always, every day. I need to be reminded this morning. Thank you, uh, Living Hope Church, for reminding me through the worship. Beautiful. Just precious, precious privilege we have to sing and worship before God and, and speak truth. Begin to find ways to share in your spheres of life, whether you're young, whether you're old. My grandfather was a carpenter and a pastor and a minister. He walked away from the Lord for 40 years, was an alcoholic came back to the Lord in repentance the last 15 years of his life. and the last 10 years of his life, he sat in a chair because he physically he couldn't move any more work. But he said, I've done more work for the kingdom than I've done my entire life. I served God hard in the beginning. I fell away. But right now I sit right here in this chair and I pray and intercede on behalf of everyone in this community, in this neighborhood. I pray for my church. I pray for the pastors. I pray for everyone I have all day. What more can I do? I don't care if you're old, if you think you're old. It doesn't work like that in the kingdom of God. There's not a soul and a person that's been redeemed that doesn't have the power of Jesus living in them. So I want you to understand, we, we are without excuse. We shouldn't be looking for one. We should run to the battle. There's a song um, by a, an artist. He says, some people want to live within the sound of chapel bells. But I want to run a mission, a yard from the gate of hell. And with everyone you meet, you take them the gospel and you share it well. Because look around you as you hesitate. Another soul just fell. Let's run to the battle. I'm one who teaches um, that the church has, as, as Albert um, demonstrates, that we have a call out wordly to those evangelistically and we have a call inside the body to care and, and love and comfort one another but I think the picture is a little bit more clear than, than maybe just being a hospital as I said earlier it's more like an infirmary because the infirmary is on the battlegrounds it means there's times you get knocked down there's times you're weak times you need a shield of faith over you you need care you need to be comforted you need to be healed you need those wounds to be healed to stand up and rise up but never forgetting that you're in a battle that we're to run to we're running to the battle so i want us to understand in your spheres of life god has called you as warriors in a kingdom and you cannot fail because he didn't fail. <laughs> he did not fail. For the joy set before him endured the cross, scorned its shame, seated at the right hand of God, making intercession for you. We're reminded of that in the worship. And lastly, start by living and praying, and this is the word I wanted us to be left with, intentionally. 
You have to be intentional. There's not a gold medal winner in the Olympics that we just saw, maybe watched over the summer. There's not a gold medal winner that just fell into those places and put a gold medal around their neck and walked home and... No, while you and I were sleeping, they were up, conditioning their bodies, training, preparing. They were motivated for that prize. And didn't matter what was happening in the world and the culture and what was on Netflix, they were where they needed to be, why? To win the prize. We have such a greater prize ahead of us than some gold medal that can sit on a shelf. Now, we can't do it in our strength, we know that, but we have to understand that he loves us so much. He's saying, join me in transforming the world around you. Join me as you see my life and the work that I accomplished on the cross bring forth the fruit of my reward. You are my chosen people. You are set apart, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, my own treasured possession. I love you. I gave my life for you. Will you share that love, please? Hear your father, hear Jesus just saying, share this. It's my heart. It's my beating heart that lives in you and beats inside of you. So we have to live with intentionality. We have to say, that's right, Lord, help me. We have to live in intentionality. Let me just ask a couple questions as we close. Does Jesus know a stranger? Is there any stranger to Jesus? Is he unaware of a person's need? Is it his will that none should perish? Did he come to reveal salvation and invite others to receive? Is he the source of compassion, knowledge, love, and understanding? Does he hold all authority? Does he live in you? Then should we, by the power of the Spirit, expect Jesus to manifest his life through us? Yes. So, Albert, I'm not quite sure um, what the plan is, as you discuss in a couple weeks, but I, I just had a couple points of homework uh, or something, if that is helpful. Yeah, just, I'll just let let church know what okay. you meant by that. <clears throat> so Gabe is going to come back in two weeks um, to help those of us who are ready um, do a little practicum with him on the streets. So um, in two weeks, the 24th, I believe it is, that Sunday, um, Gabe will be here after church. We'll have service here, and, and he'll be ready to take, he'll, he'll meet us here after church and do a little briefing, equipping, praying, and we'll, we'll go out, whoever can, with him. Um, Probably in pairs, but yeah. And he has between that and now he has a little homework. But even if you're not going to go out in two weeks with him and do witnessing on the streets, the homework I'm sure will be helpful regardless. So yeah, thank you. Yeah, did you have that last slide, Brandon? The the file, the PDF. So um, one thing we've done here, and you're welcome to do this, and um, I'll leave with Albert the the email. But this is El Shaddai, as you can see. But what we've done is we've created a software program where you can just go in and type up a simple testimony. It's your story. Your story. It needs to be, it needs to be told. It's, it's what Jesus did to transform your life. And then on the back, if you want to flip to the next page, 
it just has Living Hope Church. I have a story to share with you, the scripture, John 3, 16, and the power of your testimony from Revelation 12. You can go back to the first slide, or the first. So, obviously, John Smith is not here today, but, um, but your name here and your simple story. I'm happy to do that. So you can email that to me, and I will turn in and print some of these out that you can use. Now, I can tell you on the streets of San Francisco two summers ago, at a red light that seemed to never change, the Holy Spirit told my wife to get out and give this to a couple. And we sat at that light so long that we were able to watch them read her story and begin to see the tears rolling down their eyes. Why? Because you know what? A lot of times people don't know anyone sees them. But God sees everyone. He saw you. And it's sometimes simple just to have this in your purse, in your backpack, in your wallet, uh, on your bag, at school, wherever, and just say, you know what? When I, instead of just a tip, let me give you something even more powerful than just a tip. Give a good tip. It's your witness. That God is a good provider. (laughs) Tip and love people in every way that you can. Leave that in, in there as well. Close up the, the billfold. Close up that little visa, black visa leather pouch and leave that in there. Leave it wherever you go behind. Um, some of you may want to do that. Some of you guys you know, have amazing stories. Some of you feel like I don't have that great of a story. If you're born again, it's a miracle and it's powerful and it will transform lives. I don't care if you grew up in the church. Your story matters to God because it's his story as well. It's his story in you. So please, this is just something that if you are interested, Albert can, um, he'll have the email. You can send those things to that email address um, if you want to do that. I just think it's a practical thing that can go with you wherever you are at any given time. And maybe it's helpful because some people feel like a, as a starter. Um, so work on your testimony, if nothing else. Or really, listen, you guys are going to be sharing out here on the 31st in the community. Learn to share the story of your faith. Simple. Make it real simple. I mean, this, this is only a couple little paragraphs. It, it can be very simple. Um, when we come back um, in two weeks, when I come in, we're going to just spend some time first in prayer. And um, if you have any questions, etc., happy to answer those. And we're going to go. And we're going to face those challenges that automatically spring in our heart. And we're going to step out in faith beyond those challenges so that we can see that joy in the fruit of the kingdom, exercising those muscles, strengthening them, building our faith as we read in beginning in Galatians or in Ephesians, strengthen, build up, edify.